Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Campionato di calcio italiano. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Connor Clancy, fresh back from Turin. I'm sweating, miserable, and not at all prepared for this podcast, but let's see how it goes. Joining me is someone who's only in slightly worse shape than me, Nicholas Carroll. Nick, thanks for braving on despite your um, recently sustained illness that miraculously came along just after Inter were beaten by Sassuolo uh, and braving through the next 40 minutes for us. Look, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pound through it. Serie back, so I'm trying to keep as excited and positive as possible. Inter certainly haven't helped him going here. So it's it seems like for the moment your your wife is about as healthy as you. So so maybe we'll have to keep an eye on that. The comments are already picking up. Fido, you are here. It is great to see you. As always, welcome along. Thank you, Connor. Um, great to be here on the pod again, as always. But uh, we go into this round with a bit of mixed emotions. As we know, two of the games got caught off. But, of course, we also saw the great Cristiano Ronaldo make his Serie A debut. So, again, yeah, just a wild uh, mix of feelings going into this. Yeah, of course, unfortunate circumstances dictated that not all 10 of the scheduled Serie A games could be played this weekend. Of course, the rearranged fixtures are for one is for sometime in September. The other is, I don't know, after Christmas or something stupid because that's the way they're doing things. We do have a very special guest joining us. I'm not sure if he's ready to join us now. I think he's playing Pro Evo, but he will be joining us to discuss the first game. And we might as well go straight in because this comment came in before we even went live. It was from CM Fox. Welcome along again. And he said, who was this Ronaldo fella? Vito, I'll stick with you for this. Cristiano's debut at the Bentegodi, 
although Juve won, it didn't quite go to plan for a big CR7, did it? No, it didn't. Uh, it wasn't like he was anonymous, though. He did create uh, a chance or two. Hello, Dov. And and uh, he did actually have a few chances to score. I just think that Stefano Sorrentino actually made a couple good saves from his shots. So, uh, of course, it's not the perfect debut, but to think that he didn't make a presence uh, would be a bit disappointing to say because it wasn't like he was inactive. He had the chances to score. Yeah, well, I do have the man beside me who was at the game. <laughs> Doves, Hello, everybody. Welcome along. Hello. It's nice, to, it's nice to see you, Connor. What? I need to get close to you so people can see. Why are you in my house? Wow. <laughs> I've nowhere to live. <laughs> right, so <laughs> come somewhere. you were there. I was. What did you make of Cristiano's debut? He was all right. He, did, he, he was all right. Worth 105 million. When he went into the Champions League, then, yeah. Or... If they get close, I don't know. Yeah, I is it, it's not worth it if they get close, though. Yeah, that's not, yeah and that's not worth it. But I think you say, like, how was he? Was he was fine? He had a couple of really good shots saved by legend Sorrentino, hashtag. Um, linked up well with Douglas Costa. I quite like that. And as well, it wasn't the main man. Um, he was he kind of shifting about kind of with Douglas Costa and with Dybala moving from kind of right to left and in the middle as well. So, it, it's a bit different from kind of when it was at Real Madrid, where it was kind of all about him. With, whereas with the Juventus, it was a bit more kind of about the kind of attacking mm. line, more more so than just him. Oh, well, I guess one of the comments come in there because we've seen on social media that Cristiano Ronaldo and Paolo Dybala seem to have struck up a bit of a bromance. Mm. But it seemed on the pitch that he, his best relationship was with Douglas Costa. And yeah. we have a comment coming in from Cheyenne who says Dybala looked so lost on the field. We saw that. And we've heard the baller struggles to play with Leo Messi at Argentina because he just feels like he's obliged to give the ball to him all the time. Can you see something <laughs> like that? I don't think he was obliged to give the ball to him. I just think it couldn't get in the game. Um, I, I thought the same thing, especially in the first half. But it was just it wasn't in it at all. I think it's kind of the different styles of play because Ronaldo, Douglas Costa, Cuadrado, they're all really, really direct. Whereas I think the ball is not as direct as there's those three guys. And when Juventus have the ball, they Kind of being more direct, they didn't really know where he was playing, what he was doing, because he's not a wide forward. He, he he wants to play through the middle. So what do you like? He doesn't know what to do, mm. which is the problem. Um, but it's the first game, so stuff like that will come. And if they're working on like, in training, then obviously I wouldn't worry too much. Um, another one I want to get your perspective on because you were there is Leonardo Bonucci's return. How how was he greeted by the supporters? I was kind of like a lot of people have reported it was booze. It was a mixture of booze and cheers. Um, it was about half and half. If I'm being perfectly honest, even when he scored, it was well, yeah, score. He didn't score, but he did score. Uh, we celebrated. Obviously, they were happy, but there were still kind of a few booze kicking about because it was Bonucci that scored. Um, but I think again, that's another one that time will heal all rifts. As time goes on, the majority of UV fans will begin to love him again like they did before. I think uh, when I spoke to Adam Digby about it in the UV podcast, he pretty much said the same thing. Mm. That now he's been shunted to the back of the queue and everything in terms of captaincy, in terms of um, relationship with the fans, but over time that will come back again because, as he said, and as I agree with, and probably everybody else does, he is like the ultimate Juventino. If you think of a player who's a UV fan, you think Bonucci. Do you want to pick up that comment from Padraig Whelan there? 
Well, Kenny, Kenny Miller, Kenny, Kenny Miller, when he joined the teddy bears, that was him kind of like coming home to his spiritual home. Before he was just on a journey. He didn't really. He was a lost. He was a lost little man. But how's then, the, how did this happen? I don't know. Elgo used to bring it to league on all the time. Now we're talking about the STI. No one cares. Sorry, <laughs> okay, we're going. Nobody cares about Syria either. So you're not wrong. Well, keep... look, we, those people do. Those right. people do. So, so CM Fox, CM Fox is the, the Verona fan. How was Serie B this weekend? <laughs> um, yeah, you, are, you do hosting, I'm not the host. You? All right, well, I'm happy for you to take the reins and I'll just go in for a snooze if you want. Well, well tell me what else you want me to say. Uh, no, I'll throw it to Vito. Vito, Federico Benedeschi, I think you usually join me in criticising him, but he popped up with a big goal. <laughs> Looks like mm. he's bulked up a bit over the summer as well. Is this the season where he's actually going to do something good with his career since joining UV. I think he really needs to now because, well, now with the signing of Ronaldo, they've bolstered the attack even more. So when Bernardeschi arrived, there was already enough depth and now there's even more competition. So he's really got to shine. In saying that, before he got injured last season, Bernardeschi, he actually did have a good patch of form in which he looked like he was promising, you know, scoring a few goals, providing a few. And... I do believe in his talent and, yeah, I think this is a good start for him. When I think about this performance, it reminds me of uh, Inter versus Brescia in the 97-98 season. Inter won 2-1 on Ronaldo's debut, R9, but Alvaro Corba was the hero of that game. So I see a bit of parallels with that. You know, this game was meant to be CR7's debut, but instead it was Bernardeschi that provided, uh, you know, he was the hero of the game. Yeah, I think we were all surprised when we saw that they had scored to see the goal scorer being Brent Besky. Everyone was just kind of expecting it to be Cristiano. Nick, Merlin Pjanic is someone that we will probably talk about a little bit later in the podcast. I forgot to mention the competition, but we will get to the competition winner later on. Um, he was quite important for them, as he always is. He just knocks the ball around quite nicely, keeps things ticking over for them, and... <sighs> Are we even surprised by Pjanic doing this anymore? Or is it just, is it a measure of how good he is at it that we don't even talk about it anymore? Yeah, I mean, you've pretty much, there's not really much to add from what you've already said. Um, he's just that consistent kind of player. He's he's always providing in midfield. So, um, it, as you said, it, it almost is not warranted talking about him so often of the times because he is that consistent player in the midfield. He's quality and um, he'll no doubt be central to what looks like will be some kind of success this season in the domestic league. And it'll be interesting to see how he's, uh, how he's able to develop a combination with Ronaldo because um, that could, you know, definitely develop into something special as well. Vito, CM Fox says Cristiano will score 12 goals max this season and he'll be back in Madrid by June. What do you think? Uh, I don't think it'd be anywhere as low as 12. Uh, if he was another 33, old yeah, maybe, but we're talking about Cristiano Ronaldo. So if I, if I really had to set numbers, I'd say minimum 20. We'll see how he goes. I saw this week that Luca Toni backed Gonzalo Higuain to outscore Cristiano Ronaldo in Serie A this season, and I kind of laughed it off as everyone else did. But the more I think about it... Iguain knows how to score goals in Serie A, and I know Cristiano is a machine. You're going to disagree. Yeah, no, no, but the difference is how the two teams will play. One, you don't know how Milan are going to play, but it's pretty much going to be everything's going to be geared toward getting the ball to Iguain to mm-hmm. score. Juventus didn't play like that. They had Mandzukic, 
Douglas Costa, Ronaldo, Dybala, Cuadrado. It's not all geared towards Ronaldo like it was at Real Madrid. So he probably won't score 50 goals. Then he'll certainly get into the high 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's Ronaldo. Yeah. I in the comments. Ronaldo didn't even score in his debut for Real Madrid. He didn't, but he scored on his debut for Sporting. No, no, he did score on his debut for Real Madrid. Did he? So he's wrong. Podrick, um, uh, no, it, was, no, it might be league debut because Podrick Whelan, another FIF guy, did the stats. I think he scored on his debut for Sporting in the league, didn't score on his debut for Man United, but got an assist and scored on his debut for Real Madrid in the league as well. So there you go. There you go. He made his debut, his, his real debut for Real Madrid in Dublin, of course. It was a friendly against Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, not real real it's not a real debut. <laughs> Nick, you're sitting there quietly. Do you, do you want to keep talking about Juve or, or are you keen to move things on? Because I've oh, got an idea. Oh, hold on. What are you doing? Are you not going to talk about Stefano Sorrentino being pulled point, actually. by the yeah. horrible Juventus team? Sorrentino was amazing. It was, it was always amazing. But like, what, the horror, the frat, what, what did they have? He had whiplash, mm. a broken nose, and what was the other one? Was there a, a bruised shoulder. They destroyed him. He's an old man. <laughs> exactly. He's getting on a wee bit. He needs to be taken care of and absolutely destroyed him. I think the British shoulder and whiplash were probably just from the number of saves. If he was still on, he wouldn't have won the game. I kind of agree. As soon as he went off, you knew what was happening. Because he was the only thing stopping them. It was terrible. And then I think Dybala, did he not apologise on Instagram or Twitter or something? Because he celebrated when he went off or something like that. Did he? was doing something. No, he didn't celebrate. He did something. can't remember what it was and he had to apologise. Oh, shit. You see, actually, speaking of how lovely you they are, when, um, who who got the goal? It was Mandzukic got the goal when Sorrentino went down, wasn't it? And Sorrentino was down getting treatment after being knocked out. And Juve were giving out that the goal wasn't allowed. Yeah, 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 no, no, because Chiellini celebrated. Chiellini was going off. He was because it celebrated after the leg. I was like, yeah, it was over the line. So they all thought they had it. Well, obviously, it was given for a handball beforehand. It probably should have been given for a break in somebody's face (laughs) beforehand as well. Any more things to add about Juve then? Giving you. I don't. Not really about Juve, but just kind of like that. It was. I was a Juve home game. I'll say that mm. um, the whole crowd was Juventus fans apart from the, the, the cable end um, the, uh, another magnificent <laughs> point about Serie A is that uh, the Hellas Verona Ultras didn't allow Kievo to use their curva that's why half the stadium or, the, or that curva was empty because they couldn't come to an agreement they have an agreement normally where uh, Hellas don't use Kievo's curva and vice versa and they couldn't come to an agreement for a game which was a, which they would have sold out, which I think says a lot about Italian football that they just yeah. can't get on. Um, yeah, wanna, the Ronaldo effect. Right, well, anything else? Since, since you're here, Dove, we do have a comment talking about Chievo, so we might as well dig into it. Jackery was amazing, although 11 Sports decided that he was Peter Zielinski for a couple of minutes there. They've oh, had an absolute nightmare. Was it ten minutes? <laughs> <laughs> it's the same today. They they gave uh, Torino that goal for about ten minutes before a few people tweeted them, and then they decided to delete the tweet. Yeah, not a good start for this area, yeah, but or Dazen, Dazen in Italy have had it as well. They're mm-hmm. kind of the same thing. The online platform got in Italy, and everybody's there uh, tweeting memes of um, kind of like is it like. 16-bit football they're basically saying Daz in live and then tweeting like 16-bit football pictures because everybody's complaining about how terrible the reception and stuff is so uh, yeah the new, the new set of providers are not having the best weekend no, all and, over the world and Gary Burkles has popped up on CoComs which you love you love Gary Burkles really 
They might listen. They might listen to the show to get Good, some, some info. Stop listening, please, Gary, or just no, give no, us your li- job. No, you should listen. Keep downloading it. You don't have to listen. Is that all right? <laughs> um, but Kiev, all right. Kiev. A lot of people were saying they're going to get relegated this season or not. Why? Because, I don't know. This looks like a problem. <laughs> we're, we're getting close. Um, because they never get relegated. And is I, this not the year? No, it's not the year. Because you're like Parma, Udinese, Cagliari, there's loads of other crap teams. Um, but one thing I'll say this year, Kievo have got a bench which they've not had for a wee while. They've got players that they can bring on that are not worse than who's who's out in the park. Like they brought in Jordovic and Joe Lobby. That's so that's an option that Kievo haven't had for uh, for a wee while. So they'll be fine. They'll get to they'll get to forty points and then it'll be off to the beach. That that's what <laughs> every year. Or else they'll be struggling and bring back big Orlando Martin. Oh, he's a Cagliari game, really. Oh, of course, so he, yeah. he ruined it for himself. He did, didn't he? So, yeah. do you not like him anymore? No, I know. Like, I like him, but he should have just took it easy for a wee bit and he could come back, but he kind of like, oh, get a job straight away. There you go. All right, we're done with that game? We're done with that game. Are you going to leave us? I'm now? going to Amala. Okay. Um, right, we're not, <laughs> Bye, we're, not, we're not quite an into yet, but we'll keep, it, we'll keep it tomorrow or yesterday's games before we move on. Lazio Napoli. Um, I've noticed, right? Obviously, I went big on Napoli not finishing the top four this season. I still stand by it. They won one game. Everyone needs to calm down. Lazio are also a team who aren't going to get the top four, so it's not that big a deal. But I have seen a lot of Napoli fans get very defensive on Twitter since they won their opening game of the season. Congratulations. I don't want Napoli to do badly, but I still think they will. Uh, Nick, you, you are one of the ones who disagreed with me before the season started about Napoli's chances. Are you one of these people who's now gone mental because they won a match? God, don't you sound dirty about Napoli winning. My goodness. Um, I, I, <laughs> I thought, um, look, in, in the circumstances, they played Lazio, who we know is a very solid team. And I thought for Carlo Ancelotti's first game in charge in the Serie A, it was a very good showing. I think, I don't... I don't, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure what comments you're referring to. You know, I haven't seen them myself. But for me, I, I, I think the excitement more comes in the fact that there is so much improvement in that team, yet they were still able to get the win. Like, you could you could almost see them coming into this match and losing or drawing because it was the first game, weren't sure how it was going to work in midfield. And to be fair, um, it didn't necessarily work that great in midfield with the whole Marek Hamsik Jorginho situation, which we spoke about last week. Um, I still think that's going to be a major issue going forward, how they deal with that. But look, they started really slow Napoli, but they, they grew into the match and they came from behind. So they had the mental strength. And I, I just think, I don't think we should get ahead of ourselves. You know, I'm not going to be saying they're going to be, challenging for the title again or anything like that but look for for a first game against a solid opposition there there is a lot there to be positive about and I think that's fine for Napoli fans to do so so I'm not gonna you know I I I, I think I did tweet that I did think a few people like yourself were a bit quick to um to throw to kind of throw them away for the season but um I, I think they're still, you know, top four, and we'll we'll see how they go. They they can only improve from that performance, in my opinion. I wasn't aware that you had tweeted that too, you little snake. Uh, I was going to tag you, but I thought no, nah, it's too 
<laughs> it would have been better. Um, it's a bit cowardly otherwise, isn't it? Um, I'm, I'm a nice guy. I don't like to pick, pick, pick on okay. people. Okay, your, your tweet isn't the one I was referring to. I'll send you a link later. Um, Vito, Nick, Nick said the word solid a lot in relation to Lazio and Lazio exposed Napoli as being anything but on that opening goal because Napoli just decided that they would let all of their defenders run to one point of the box and Chiro Mobile just had to turn around and he had the freedom of the Stadio Olimpico in front of him. That was brilliant. Brilliant in it was <laughs> in its comedic value or yeah. it was like a planned move. I feel like they rehearsed that or something. <laughs> See, a lot of people have been praising the Mobile for the turn, but if he did anything other than turn around, he's an idiot because all of the Napoli defense were on that corner of the box. And then, oh, it was unbelievable. I felt a bit bad for Kilabelli because he looked like he should have been there. And then everyone else was just following him. But is this a problem that needs to be addressed? Because their defense looked pretty assured under Sari, and now Ancelotti's come in. Is it, or is it just a one-off? No, I think there might be some problems because there were already a few issues in the preseason games. So as much as I love that Immobile goal for the Acherby pass and how Immobile managed to do that turn and finish, I still think when you have three defenders moving in sync but in a bad way just to make Immobile look good, that is very concerning. It's one thing to learn systems and game plans and all that, but you know, just some good old-fashioned common sense still helps and... Uh, that's what happened there. It didn't look like those defenders had much common sense. It was like they were all going for Immobile and they didn't know how to react quick enough once he turned. Yeah, well, speaking of Immobile, this, he, of course, got Lazio's first goal of the season and that is now the third season in a row that he has scored their opening goal. The I, I was talking to Kev P about a feature that he was going to write in re- reaction to this game, which will probably be going up on the site tomorrow. And he suggested writing something about Lazio's over-dependence on Immobile. But it's just something that we are so aware of now, isn't it? it? Do they need to be concerned? Because they've lost Felipe Anderson in this summer. They lost the year before, Keita Balde the year before. Is it? Are we going to get to a point where it does become a real problem for them? He can't keep doing it all by himself, surely. Nick, you can come in on this one. Uh I mean, I, I don't think it's as serious problem as it's possibly made out to be, as you stated there. I think they've they've shown enough uh, with the players around him, Luis Alberto, and they've still got, obviously, Milinkovic, Savic. So there's those players that can step in. They probably don't have the depth, as you alluded to there, um, with the likes of Felipe Anderson gone. But, um, uh, I mean, it's hard. Yeah, when a player like that's at a team like Napoli, that I mean, not Lazio, they're never going to have those... I mean, they're not going to have the superstar, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo. So it's, of course, there are going to be those players that are, are crucial to their to, to their results and their success. So, yeah, yes, he's crucial, but I don't think it's necessarily an over reliance. All right, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm just looking down the run order, and I can see what game's coming up next. So I'm happy to move on from this one. Vito, have you any final words on? Lazio and Napoli before you move on to the fun? Well, as uh, Nick mentioned before, they do have Luis Alberto and Milinkovic-Savic, but those two had rather disappointing games, to be honest. I thought Luis Alberto had a shot or two that could not hit the target properly, was rather wayward. And if 
this game was anything to go by, anyone who was interested in buying Milinkovic Savage has so far saved their money and dodged the bullet because these are the kind of games Milinkovic Savage has to perform in. And he was rather disappointing. I didn't see him create enough assists for Immobile or get into strong positions himself. So he's got to really improve and really justify the hype that's out there or the price tag that Claudio Lotito has put on him. Yeah, I'm quite intrigued to see how he performs this season because obviously you don't know if he wanted to stay or if he was trying to push for the move himself as well. We've compared him to Paul Pogba and stuff on the podcast before. He definitely does have the ability, but... It will be interesting to see how he performs this season. Nick, Nick, what happened? Sassuolo won Inter nil. Explain yourself, please. Explain myself. Um, uh, Sassuolo are just amazing, to be honest. Um, <laughs> You're right. You took Matteo Politano <laughs> because he kept feeding you and you still lost to them. Uh, what a team. They've won seven from 11 against Inter. That's ridiculous. The last That's they're probably insane. still down on like goal defense because Inter pumped them yeah. seven nil twice, didn't they? Twice, yeah. It's, um, uh, how do you explain it? Um, I mean, I can give a lot of just cliches with this. Uh, first game of the season, you know, it's all that kind of stuff, but it's pretty disappointing. Uh, let's be fair. Um, I think I said last last week that there was no excuses um, in terms of starting strongly for Inter. They showed everything that they, that kind of, uh, that they needed to in preseason. It seemed like they were building and uh, just did not turn up. Um, Simple as that. Um, Before I get into Inter, I do want to actually seriously give credit to Sassuolo, particularly their midfield, Magnanelli and Duncan in particular. I thought Duncan was probably, the best on pitch. He was so strong throughout the match and he made life very hard for, for Inter. Um, so yeah, they, they did amazingly, but um, Inter, where, where do you start? Uh, Marcello Brozovic has seemingly gone back to his good old days of just being a nuisance in midfield. Right, is he not here back too early? All the players who went the whole way in the World Cup, I'm a bit sceptical about them playing the first game mm-hmm. of the season. Surely they should be given a couple of weeks because there was, what, three weeks between the World Cup final and the season start? Yeah, I don't know. I've seen a few comments about this, people saying, well, they should play the professionals, some saying, well, they shouldn't. But uh, to me, it's like, you know, it can only be a case-by-case basis. Players are different. But, but you look at how Brozovic was, Arjic looked completely out of sorts. And then um, Perisic, of course, didn't start, but he came on at half time. And yeah, okay, fresh legs, but he looked actually on the ball. His touch was nice and he should have had an assist um, by the end of the match, uh, if not for the Akadi miss. So, um, yeah, it, it's hard to kind of put a one rule for that. But um, yeah, the, you can't use that as a, an excuse by any means. Um, the defense looked out of sorts. Uh, certainly got outdone by Sassuolo's pace early. Both mm-hmm. Delbert and D'Ambrosio on the wings were um, well behind, found out of position. Miranda looked shaky even before giving away the penalty, I thought. And, well, you know, it was a soft penalty, but I don't, to be honest, I'm not, I don't think it's fair to even go down that route of the penalties and the possible penalty for Inter because um, the Nerazzurri weren't, 
good enough to win. Simple as that. So it's certainly not an excuse. Um, no, Vito, I need I'll, to improve. Vito, I'll bring you in because Nick started naming some names and then he went from goalkeeper through the fence and then just stopped. But everyone was terrible. Like, Lataro Martinez didn't do a thing. Mario Cardi didn't have a sniff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a disaster. Is it is it too easy to just put it down to a slow start, first game of the, first game of the season, blah, blah, blah? Because it's not as if they've got a new coach coming in and everyone's new. A lot of those players were there last year. Spalletti mm-hmm. knows a lot of them quite well. Even one of the new guys who came in, I know Nangala didn't play, but he knows these players. Inter in general just looked like they were still on holidays. And looking at the game, what, if nobody knew about these teams before, one would have thought that Sassuolo were the Giants and that Inter were the Minos. Uh, Inter only really looked like a threat when they were attacking in the last 10 to 15 minutes of the game. So collectively it was very poor. And if we got a single out individuals, well, Martinez, I don't think he had the proper service. So, and also the role he played in. So he had his moments, but couldn't really do much. Politano, he had about two shots and that was probably about it from him. But as bad as Brozovic was, uh, Vecino, he wasn't that much better either. They look like, again, they need a proper conducting midfield, not just defensive types or box-to-box types. And then uh, Miranda, you know, aside from the penalty. Okay, I reckon the penalty was soft, but in saying that, Miranda was horrible all game. You know, I would rather see Skriniar and Devry together than uh, Devry playing with Miranda. So hopefully moving forward, uh, Miranda gets phased out of that defence because I can't really see what he's going to really offer Inter in the long term. Nick, one of the comments that's come in, I'm just going to present it to you with no further comment and you can take it from there. Spalletti only understands shithousing. He has proper ballers in the team, but still wants to cross the ball to Icardi for 90 minutes. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'll admit I got a bit frustrated with that, particularly towards the end when Inter was chasing. There, there was a bit of that, just kind of heaping it into the box. It seemed like they were panicking, and I, I guess that goes back to mindset and confidence. And that's probably my biggest concern with Inter is that it's you know we all know that the, the talent is on the field. It's the mindset which has been an issue for years. It's the fact that, you know, Juve went behind, they fought back. Napoli went behind, they fought back. Inter has had this lack of mental strength over the seasons and it's that. That's the concern. It's not the result. It's the fact that they weren't giving everything to, to get that result at the end. They the, the It didn't seem like the passion or the want was there at all and that's I think that's why Inter fans get more annoyed more than losing these kind of games. It's the fact that the players just don't seem to be giving it their all. So, you know, maybe it's just it'll be a wake-up call and we'll see a different Inter uh, next week. But, um, yeah, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to be too harsh because you had Politano on the right there and uh, you guys said he, he barely got any service and I thought he was actually one of the more promising when he did get the ball. It was rarely, but I think there are promising signs there. When Perisic came on, he was straight away starting to find space on the left. And Martinez, of course, he's going to need to learn that position if he is going to play in behind Akadi and he's going to have to build the combinations. So there's three aspects to the attack which was lacking and which will develop. So, you know, hopefully it will develop beyond crossing it into Akadi, but it seemed like uh, when all else fails, when nothing else is working, that's what they revert back to. Nick, the the problem to all of your defensive woes is not Milan Skriniar. It's not Miranda. It's not Stefan de Frey. It's big Andrea Ranocchia. Andrea Ranocchia. Bring back Yuta Nagatomo. Get Ranocchia into the team. Find someone else who you've shipped off and just, just let them have a bit of fun. You know what? Watching Delbert in the first half, I was kind <laughs> of, I was, I was dreaming of the good old days of Nagatomo, just wandering down the left flank. Um, I, I took it on the chain about my Napoli prediction earlier and the fact that they won today. Well, I didn't read it, but given that, <laughs> given I had AG to insult me for it, I, I'm going to remind you all of who I said were my ones to watch for this season on last week's pod. Do you remember? Sassuolo? Sassuolo, exactly, yeah. Good man. But if Fido listens, this is why he comes on. He's reliable. <laughs> he pays attention. He I listen to me, though. Yes, which I, I barely even know what you say, Connor. It's Irish accent. <laughs> I don't understand either of you. That's fine. Uh, right. Uh, does anyone, you know, you've been sitting quietly while Nick cried into the microphone. There. Have you? Have you anything to add on this game? I think it's uh, fair that we do praise Sassuolo, as I said. You know, if nobody had watched Serie A before, one would have thought Sassuolo were the Giants and. Roberto De Zerbi 
You know, his coaching is a swollen now after coaching Benevento last season. And although it's early days, it goes to show that with some decent players to work with, it looks like his game plan is coming to fruition. We can see that possession-based philosophy, that sort of Guardiola influence there. And before the penalty, um, I thought Inter were going to put pressure on Sassuolo and they were going to nick a soft goal. But there was this one sequence in which Francesco Magnanelli was involved and they were passing the ball right out of the fence before Di Francesco went on that run. So I thought if this is round one and they're playing that sort of football in tight areas, getting those passes away and combining like that, you know, I think with more time, Sassuolo can get even better. They just got to be a bit more quicker when they're attacking and also face a team that's probably not going to sit back like Inter did. And if they just back themselves more and take a few more shots because Burabi and Boateng could have scored themselves, um, Sassuolo, you know, they might live up to your prediction, Connor, and be at that team to watch because I think uh, even though they just won 1-0, uh, they really should have won by more than that because uh, they're, they're a team that's pleasing on the eye and I really hope they do get better. Yeah, hopefully. And another one of the teams to watch, of course, was Torino, who we will discuss their game in just a minute. But first, I want to get to the competition winner because we did run a competition last week and the winner of this has gotten some ridiculously good free stuff. So he's going to get a, a Serie A shirt of his choice or a retro kit from 3retro.com. Uh, Barry Masterson, Roberto Baggio print and spending money in the FIF shop which is obviously the best of those prizes um, so this this was close did you did you guys have any predictions the, the game was you had to guess who would complete more passes than anyone else in Serie A this weekend and how many passes they would complete I went for Leo Benucci uh, did, did either of you two have a guess uh, no I would have gone someone in Napoli but Okay, who? Give me one. Uh, some uh, go left field like Koulibaly or something. Good. Vita, have you got a shout? Uh, look, I really didn't predict anyone, but before the game, I probably yeah would have done the same as Nick. You know, gone for a Napoli player. So I'll just say Hamsik. All right. Well, well, thankfully nobody picked anyone from Atalanta or Frosinone because and because they play tomorrow night, we can announce the winner tonight. So two players finished top of this. Um, both Merlin Pjanic and Kaladu Kulbali both completed 94 oh. passes in Serie A this weekend mm. and that meant that it was quite tough to pick a winner but it came it, it was so close right so Kieran Boff is the first place winner so he wins the three things he guessed that Merlin Pjanic would complete 90 passes so he was just four off which is pretty good oh. and then in agonizingly close second place is Ben Small, who went for Kaladu Kulabali, and he said 85 passes. So a very respectable well, second place. He gets a prize as well. I think it's just the just it's the best one. It's the spending money in the FIF shop. So congratulations to you both. Drop us a message on Twitter or wherever you casted your guesses, and we will sort out delivery of your prizes. So that first prize is quality. It is. Can it's very good. That, huh? Is that this season's jerseys? Yeah, any, sure. any sort of sure. Oh, man. Is that Palmer third kits back back in the shops? I want to get my hands Well, is it in Sorry, ah. <laughs> <laughs> my point was they sold out. You... Just anyway. going to let that sit there. 
silently for a couple of seconds. It's a good kit, anyway. Yeah, to be fair, Palma have smashed it this year. The, the yellow and blue hoops returning for the second, and then that third kit is glorious. But uh, speaking of kits, the Atalanta away one's no bad. It is no bad, Nick. Inter have some good it ones. Is, so, sorry. Did you just say <laughs> it's, it's, it's no bad? Yeah, it was a reference for <laughs> What language is that? Scottish roommate is sitting here. I thought he'd appreciate it, but he's got his headphones. I've said Scottish roommate, so he's looking at me now. Um, the joke was missed anyway because he's rude. But what are we talking about? Oh, yeah, surprise teams. Torino. Or all Torino. Um, I made the trip to the Stadio Olympico today to watch them against Roma. And they were pretty good, to be honest with you. It was a pretty slow start. And Roma kind of dominated the first 15 minutes or so, but didn't actually do anything for their dominance. And then after that, it was probably still Roma, but Torino actually looked like they were trying to do something themselves. So they were sitting back and then trying to counterattack. And then second half started and Iago Falque scored, or at least he thought he had. Everyone went mental. Fans chanted Falke's name about 75 times. It was brilliant. And then after about three minutes, the goal was ruled out for offside because Ola Aina, who had come on, was just offside. It was correct decision, but it was narrow. And then after that, Toro seemed to realize that they could actually get at Roma. And then the game opened up and it was quite enjoyable. First half wasn't the best. Second half very much was. And just when it looked like Torino were going to get out of there with a point at least... Justin Clivert worked a bit of magic down the right wing, put in a cross, and Edin Dzeko scored what was... I don't know if you guys have seen this because of the time that it was played out, but Edin Dzeko scored a beautiful goal. I got a bit carried away in my post-match video on Facebook and said it's an early contender for goal of the season. Obviously, it's one of the first goals scored. So it's, it's the best goal I've seen this season, guys. I'm willing to stick with that. But my God, that was brilliant. And it's hard not to feel sorry for Torino because... They didn't deserve to lose that game. Not quite so sure if they deserve to win it, but I'm not so sure Roma did either. So if I was to give the three points to anyone based on the performances, I'd probably go with Torino. Nick, you've unmuted your mic. Do you want to add something? Oh, I was just keen to ask you some questions about this because I'd I'd picked Torino last week as my kind of uh, one to watch. Mm. Um and I was keen to see what uh, Walter Mazzari had done with this team. I'll tell you what he did, Nick. I'll tell you what he what? did. Tell me. Tell me. What he, he went did. mental. He went absolutely <laughs> mental and got sent off. I did off. see this on Twitter. It was good. Wow. It was really because um, there was an attack and Falke was, Belotti had a shot and was saved and it was parried out and Falke was going to just like head it home. And there seemed to be a bit of a push on him. I was like, the press box was kind of down the far end of the ground there. So it was difficult to spot. And they didn't show any replays, but it looked like they had a real shout for a penalty. And Matsari lost his shit. He was gone mad. He was nearly on the pitch. He was, <laughs> it was like we just asked Vito, could Genoa win the Scudetto? And then just let him loose on a pitch. That's what Matsari was doing. <laughs> it, went, it went on for about five minutes. And then the ball went out the other end eventually. Syracuse had the ball in his hand. And you could see him like working out if he should just kick it out. So then the ref would go look at VAR. But then the ref said he wasn't going to look at VAR, whatever happened. So the ball went out of play eventually, and the referee came over to Matsari, and Matsari was still losing, like absolutely losing it. And then he just got sent off, which was kind of disappointing because I was looking forward to keeping an eye on that. But to answer your actual question, Nick, it's 3-5-2. It's very much what you'd expect from Torino over the last few years. Uh, Falke and Balotti were up top together. You would imagine that they could do a slight reshuffling there. I don't know. Maybe... 
mimic what Gasparini has done with the four or the three four one two three four two one whatever it is. Because with Zaza coming in now, they've got a real strike partner for Balotti, which is kind of weird to think that Italy's first choice starting two could be playing for Torino again, given that Immobile and Balotti were there a couple of years ago. But yeah, it's more of the same from Torino. They do look like they're quite exciting, though. They, they might actually be a fun team to watch. They like to play on the counter-attack. I'm not sure if that was just because they were against a good team, but they're effective at it, so you don't see why they wouldn't continue that. Roberto Soriano, by the way, came on towards the end and he looked like a really good addition like he got the ball at one point the Torino fans were just urging him to knock it into the box and he's being swarmed by a couple of Roma players and he just like a quick drag and a flick back and he had beaten the three of them and everyone's like oh this guy's a player he's done. <laughs> yeah well that's the thing because we've kind of missed him for the last couple of years so forgot what he was actually capable of and he is quite a tidy footballer and I think he'll fit in quite well in that midfield but if they go with a midfield three and him, Thomas Rincon and Daniela Baselli, that's not bad. They do look like a team who could easily finish top 10 and who knows if things fall their way, they could easily be challenging for the Europa League places with Atalanta, maybe Sampdoria, Fiorentina, possibly Inter, you know, those second tier teams that won't be <laughs> challenging for the Champions League. Nick, I'm sorry. Uh, does anyone else want to ask me anything else yeah. about this game? I mean, they, they've always had that—not um, the game particularly, but just with Torino quickly. They've—we've they, always seen they've had that attacking ability the last few seasons, uh, but it's been beyond that when they lose the ball. They just haven't looked a solid outfit, particularly in defence, and you know teams at times will just run through them. So if they can build that, and from the sound of it, they did an all right job last night. If they can actually be a solid outfit those 11 players, which I think Mazzari tries to build in his teams, they could really do well. I'm really expecting some big things. Yeah, well, to be fair, they were solid today. Um, Mm. Roma hit the post, what, three times, I think it was, but that makes it seem like they carved out all these chances. But Dzeko and Kolarov hit the post in the first half from really tight angles, which shows Mm. they were only getting in at angles that were improbable for them to score. Like if Kolarov and Dzeko scored their chances, Sirigu would have been seriously to blame. So they had it all worked out. They did quite well. They were forced into some substitutions through injury. Ina came on for a Di Silvestri, I think it was. I can't remember who went off in the second half, but it, I think it was a defensive player again. And it was just more of the same. He, he seems to have them properly well drilled. Of course, he was there last season as well, so the players know him. Um, and when Zaza and Soriano come into this team, maybe they are given a little bit more freedom with the ball. One thing that they were lacking was like a really good decision maker when it got to the final third because Falke was quite wasteful. We know Jajic can be wasteful as well. Bellotti was making runs and just not getting picked out and he was getting frustrated at times as well. But I think it could be a a good season for Torino. They're definitely going to be worth watching either way because it'll be fun, especially if Mazzari loses his head every week. Parma Udinese, we'll we'll go through this quickly. Parma went 2-0 up. Everyone thought it was the 90s again. And I was ready to come on here and lash into Udinese, to be honest with you. But they came back, Vito. Udinese stole a point. Mm, Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people would have thought Padma winning 2-0, start the return to Serie A in a positive manner. But Udinese managed to turn that game around. The Paul got the penalty and then uh, Seco Fofana scored a good goal. So very positive for Udinese, but uh, I still got the knives out for 
John Paulo Pozzo and uh, Julio Velasquez uh, still got to see if they can actually do something or if they're just, uh, you know, going to welter away or just battle along. Yeah, it would be Nick. Do you want to? I was just going to say, good, good result for all the the you know the teams that are possibly going to be uh, fighting for relegation, other than Kievo, who and Cagliari. To be fair, yeah. So Kievo conceded more than any other team. There you go. He can't awful, hear you. Awful team. He can't hear you. Um, they'll be going down. <laughs> I feel sorry. He's sitting over there so peacefully. He hasn't oh, no idea what you're saying right now. I'll tell him. Um, while you've mentioned the relegation, right? Spal beat Bologna one nil. We didn't talk a touch about Bologna last week, but they were awful last year, and they could be in trouble this season, especially after losing the spell. It's a bit of a derby there, and I, I could should we fear for them? Is that the right? Because they're not great. Hmm. The reason I would fear for Bologna is only just the quality of the individuals. Um, uh, Nzaghi, well, super people Nzaghi, he managed to go down to Venezia in Serie C, work his way back up, got the job at Bologna. And I do think it's early days, but it's really a matter of the players trying to adapt to the way he coaches or if he can really cut it out in Serie A. So be interesting to see how they go. But... I'm happy for Spal. It was a great goal by Yasmin Kortic to score for him 30 metres. It was a great shot, and I don't think um, it might have been Skorupski in goal that he would not have had much hope of saving it anyway. So that's a big plus for Spal, and maybe Spal can survive relegation again because they do play some nice football. they just got to be more prolific and bury their chances more. Yeah, they've got quite a good team there as well. A lot of very well-trained players at that club. Um, one of them getting the goal today. But, Nick, are you, are you going to be throwing your support behind Cagliari this season? Because they are probably the closest thing to a Southern team, given their problems. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Not how it works. Sicily and Sardinia don't count, unfortunately. Sicily should sure count. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, you ask a Sicilian if they're from, if they're from the south of Italy. All right, well, they're not from the north, so they're one of the outsiders. Yeah, there's the north, there's the south, and then there's the islanders. Oh, so you're just a southern boy. You're not backing all the outsiders. I mean, look, I'm I'm happy for them to do well. I'm just saying they're not a part of my kind of, you know, heritage, let's say. All right, well, look, all the best, but um, I'm I'm all about study B this season. Are you just going to shout <laughs> random club names again this week? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's Crotone. <laughs> my, my weekly Crotone shout. All yeah. the best boys for a big there's season. A, there's another one. We'll see you next. There's another one. They were black and red. Oh, he's not doing it. Okay, fine. Yeah, well, Calgary lost 2-0 to Empoli, who just came up. Vito, Empoli looked quite all right in attack, didn't they? They did. Well, obviously, getting the two goals is a big plus, and... When they were in Serie A last time, I think they made a bad choice in coach by getting Martuscello and also hiring and also still relying on Massimo Macaroni for goals. But now the club looks rejuvenated. Aurelio Andrea Zoli has done a good job with them to get them back into Serie A. And it looks like they'll maintain the attacking philosophies that were there under Sarri and Giampaolo. So 
I back them to survive relegation. I think they've got the right football philosophy and they know how to recruit players well. So I think this will be a good way to build their season. Someone's having a go at us here. Empoli's as well, Fiorentina are the hipster teams this year. I've already thrown my support behind Sassuolo. You've thrown it behind Empoli. And I think you, you're you on board with Fiorentina as well. And someone says, Bologna with no Verdi equals relegation. And then Aaron Holland comes in and says, Bologna with Destro equals glorious. Because Destro, I love you, Destro. He's not very good though, Aaron, is he? I'm sorry. But, right, that's all really because Atalanta Frosinone is tomorrow night. I will be there, thankfully. Back in Bergamo, I'll be happy. Milan, Genoa and Samp Fiorentina were the postponed games because of the tragedy down in Genoa. Um, yeah, guys, I think we've come to the end. I don't know how long we've been going for, but it's considerably shorter than last week's, thankfully. We're probably coming in about 50-ish minutes, which is good going. So, 50. Um, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. What are we? Facebook and Instagram at Forza Italian Football, Twitter at Serie A FFC. Go to the website, ForzaItalianFootball.com. You can see all of our match coverage from the stadiums and from Australian bedrooms. We've been doing videos before and after matches and reports, player ratings, everything you need to keep up with Italian football. We've got it covered. News, podcasts, videos, the lot. Nick, let people know where they can find you on the internet. On Facebook and Twitter and that's about it. Uh, otherwise, I look forward to um, Napoli against Atalanta A plus next week. What? Oh, just a reference to my comment last week. So Napoli Milan next week, or after the you know the ex Atalanta contingent and AC Milan. You know, I had called him Atalanta A plus. I thought, I thought we agreed that Atalanta were Atalanta A plus. Just uh, Spal were at the land of B and Milan were the reserves yeah. or something. <laughs> Come on. Nick, Whatever you're makes a fan. Nick, you need to behave yourself. Vito, where can people get your stuff on Twitter, Instagram, the rest? Well, on Facebook, check out my fan page, which is just my name, Vito Doria. Otherwise, go to Instagram and Twitter, and the handle is the same for both of them, Vito C. Doria. Nice one. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Conjay Clancy and I get harassed by Nicholas Carroll on Facebook as well. I do have a page that you can <laughs> like. Um, it's just my name. Look it up and you'll find it and give it a like and read my stuff. It's Con Culture. Uh, Con Culture. Good old days. You've reminded me about something actually I need to discuss with the boss man um, about <sighs> Con Culture. But yes, right, so that is it for this week guys thank you as ever for keeping us going in the comments you were here before us which is good and we will be back same time again next week i might be doing it from somewhere in genoa because i think i'm off to is who are genoa playing next week genoa empoli i think i'm off to that which will be quite fun vito we'll see empoli put a few past your boys um right i'm gonna end it on that before vito kicks off right say goodbye guys um all that's left for me to say is check now Ciao, ciao.
Siamo nuova luce che non morirà Il sassuolo ci crede e nessuno potrà Toglierci la grinta per puntare più in là Nero sarà il cielo che vedrete voi Dopo aver provato tutto contro di noi Perché la speranza di restare su Perché se il gioco è duro noi colpiamo di più Nero the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market